let's do this. <laughs> so, I'm starting over. <laughs> I'm starting over for the tape recorder. <laughs> so, so practicing the Dharma for whatever you, whatever our motivations as we begin, is um, is a kind of service. So even if we're practicing because we want to become free of suffering, our own, what we see as our own suffering, um, it is a benefit to, to, to our families, to our society, to the world, and not in some mystical way. It's in a very, a very clear way. One of the things that we discover as we begin practice is the ways that we are creating suffering for ourselves. And the ways that suffering is being perpetuated in our lives. And and these this this inevitably brings us into an examination of our ethics. So ethics is a really important way that we can um, either support the happiness and well-being of others around us, or uh, create harm and and uh, a sense of you know <coughs> feeling threatened or unsafe in others. So ethics. You know, have to do with just, you know, how do we, how do we support um, a sense of being safe? You know, the first, the first is, it, the first um, of the precepts, the the five precepts that are practiced um, as a part of our daily lives is, you know, not to not to kill, and not to cause harm, not to not to create a sense of being threatened. Um, Around us, so so you know if we're if we're acting out angrily, if we are um, uh, supporting aggression in whatever ways we do, um, we'll see that in our practice. It'll come up in our practice. We'll see how we may be aggressive to ourselves. We'll feel it. You know if we. If we sit down after having, um, if we sit down and meditate, you know, after having, you know, yelled at our spouse or our kid, and you know, in a very kind of uncontrolled way, um, we'll feel that. It'll, it'll still be kind of resonating in the body, and so, so a development of ethics uh, is is an outcome. Of practice, we'll also see wanting in the mind, and we'll we'll begin to recognize that, you know, maybe all of this wanting and all of this consuming, and all of this, um, uh, you know, having more and more stuff, um, has in, an impact in the world, has an impact on ourselves, has an impact on the people around us, you know, 
what is our motivation for wanting more stuff? You know, what is our mo- motivation for wanting, you know, all kinds of expensive clothes or fancy car or, um, you know, are we wanting to be admired by everybody? So, so the, you know, as, as I talk about this, I know I'm, I'm, a, I'm kind of connecting with, with uh, other things, you know, outside of ethics, but, but it's, it because the practice itself, it's very, it's uh, it's very holistic. So it's it's hard to just to shine light on one aspect of practice without talking about other things. But, but ethics, you know, is um, uh, really really comes to light in our practice. You know, if if we're driven in our our sexuality, you know, if we're harming ourselves or harming others in the way that we express our sexuality, you know, we'll we'll begin to connect with that as the mind quiets down and we, you know, we stop distracting ourselves all the time. A lot of, a lot of um, the ways that we cope with painful emotions is by distracting ourselves. Distracting ourselves by buying stuff, by eating, by, you know, getting on our little, you know, smartphones or whatever we do and, and you know, constantly, um, you know, being busy on, on the web or whatever, or games. And, and so this drivenness of the mind comes to rest and we see, you know, whatever addictive behavior that we've been kind of pulled into by distracting, trying to distract ourselves from what is uncomfortable, what is unpleasant, what is difficult in our lives. You know, and it, you know, these kinds of addictive behaviors, they, they have an impact on everyone around us. They, you know, the people who love us, um, first of all, ourselves, you know, we're disconnected from our true heart um, when we're just always distracting ourselves or always looking for pleasant experiences um, in, in these kinds of behaviors. And then, you know, it has an impact on the people around us who care for us as well. I think that one of the ways that I see um, just just practice supporting um, or having a benefit in the world is that you know as we practice and we we recognize that that actually you know the next thing that we get or the next experience that we have is not going to make us happy in any enduring way. You know, when we realize that, you know, we may get a hit of pleasure by, you know, buying some thing or, you know, or 
uh, eating something or or going somewhere that's pleasant and and as there's nothing wrong with happiness uh, with that kind of sensual happiness that you know or sensual pleasure it's not that sensual pleasure is is evil um, or bad you know that's often a mistaken notion that people develop in spiritual practice it's just that when we rely on that to feel good it's um, it's it's a deluding path because it never will give us that that kind of contentment and peace that we're really looking for so 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 as we I think as we deepen in, in our practice um, we really come to value simplicity in our lives so not needing a whole lot of stuff not needing to you know have many many different kinds of you know experiences more and more and more experiences really being able to uh, to be content with what we have you know we we open the day with a practice of gratitude and um, and so really being able to be content with what's present in our lives the practice of gratitude helps us to actually see what what there is in our lives which is supporting us and which is you know nourishing us and um, and so you know this quality of simplicity and contentment you know goes so much against the consumer culture that we live in and um, and I think that people who live with this these qualities of contentment and simplicity are a real witness uh, to to the truth that that we don't find peace by getting more stuff um, so I think that's a service um, in in the world to uh, to to be a uh, a kind of a witness a um, a presence which you know belies the uh, the overwhelming um, energy or it can feel overwhelming that you know you're not good enough your hair is not good enough your body's not good enough your car is not good enough you are not enough um, and and in in Dharma practice, we learn that that's that that's not true, and that you know that that true happiness is not something that can be bought. As as uh, Sylvia Borstein says, uh, happiness is an inside job. So, it's, um, so that you know, how do we communicate that? You know, I think. We communicate so much just by being being who we are, being authentic in our lives. Certainly, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that with my with my grandchild. Um, you know, I see how she's just 
learning and changing and becoming, you know, this person. And, and I mean, she's learning a lot through, you know, what people teach her, but she's just soaking in what is modeled to her in, you know, in her, in her family, in her community. I think we're all like that. You know, I think I think of the deepest things that that I've learned in my life have been through just you know the presence of people who are wise and compassionate, and how they live that out in their lives. So, um, so it's it's a um, it's part of our practice that as we as we become less driven and and it, compulsive and addicted and deluded uh, and more connected to our inner wisdom and kindness and compassion that this that this just has a ripple effect you know it, it extends outward um, addressing the root causes of suffering in ourselves is really addressing the root causes of suffering in the world. Um, I remember when I was, you know, 17, 18, 19, I was very involved in, um, in what, what was going on in, in the States where I was growing up, in New York. Uh, there was, you know, the peace movement against the Vietnam War, and and there was the civil rights movement, and um, and I, you know, one of the things that really struck me, and actually, you know, I think was really important in directing me uh, to practice was that. The, the causes were really important and the causes were, you know, were just. Uh, and yet there was so much blame and anger um, that, you know, I couldn't see how peace could emerge from that, all that, all that anger and blame. It was division, the division and the exclusion you know, was so present, and of course, boy, we see it today um, so many ways. Not to say that our own society is perfect, but but the division um, in the states is really uh, it's so sad, it's so painful to see. So, um, so it's not to say that, you know, just addressing the greed, hatred, and delusion within ourselves is going to solve all the problems of the world. I, I would say that we need to address those, those forces within ourselves and engage with the, the issues of the world and not neglect one for the other. 
and um, and just uh, just to uh, to make a final point about how important practicing the Dharma is as a service to the world. The Dharma doesn't just point toward um, freedom from physical and psychological suffering. It points deeper uh, to freedom from existential suffering. So, so it really, it's, it's not just, um, you know, somehow figuring out how to, uh, how to feel better about ourselves, but it's really looking at this drive that we have to create a stable sense of self in the unstable and transient and ever-shifting conditions of life, the conditions of being alive, the sense of our own insubstantiality. So, so, so as, as much as uh, Dharma practice does help us along the way, helps us to feel better, it helps us to get calmer, it helps us, even, can even, you know, help us to, to heal because some of the, some of the uh, ailments of the body are held by, uh, by stress and, and uh, um, in habits of mind. Even further than that, it points to the, the deep source of suffering um, and leads us to, to freedom from that. <coughs> So altruism is, is it an expression of love, is an expression of um, our interconnectedness. Really, I think love and knowing our interconnectedness are um, two sides of the same coin. So as we develop in wisdom and we see that that all of the thoughts, all of the emotions, all of the sensations, they're always coming and going. That they are, and that awareness, that, that mindfulness, is the doorway to, um, to a, a true um, presence in, um, in an authentic authentic self, an authentic um, self, not in a, not in a, in a, in, in any way being an isolated thing, but just a quality of presence in the process of knowing all of the experience which flows through us. So, so as we discover, yes, I'm not, or, or no, I'm not, I'm not fear, I'm not desire, I'm not, I'm not jealousy. You know, these come and go. These, these are things that visit me, visit the, my awareness, but they're not who I am. You know, we, we realize that 
you know, we, the Buddha in, in mindfulness gives instruction to look internally and externally. And we look around and we say, yeah, other people are also suffering. They're suffering because there's anger, there's, there's wanting, there's, there's jealousy, there's, there's uh, it, you know, a feeling of not being good enough. Other people also, other, other beings are also suffering in various ways. And so, so that interconnectedness gives rise to, to compassion. Um, that, 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 that awareness, that, um, yes, this quality of knowing, this quality of presence. Well, yeah, that's, that's something that other people, too, experience. And so, again, this quality of, uh, uh, this, this insight gives rise to our interconnectedness. And so, so it's in a very natural way, our, as, we, as we know that we're deeply interconnected, we share so much with other human beings and other life forms. We, uh, our capacity of our heart for love and compassion grows, and um, and we realize that you know the separation that we imagined, you know, is just is just that you know that that really there is um, there is there is life. There's just life flowing through all of us, and so um, so so that. The wish that we can be free from suffering, which we connected with in our own practice and which motivated us and perhaps set us on the path to practice, you know, becomes a wish or an intention or a, or a caring that others also be happy and free from suffering. And, um, and so... Um, and so we... Um, we can be present to another, you know, not with an agenda about, well, what you need to do is, you know, if you want to, if you want to be happier, if you want to be free from suffering, um, this is what you need to do, uh, you know, do like I did, you know, practice meditation. We can, we can be present to the person and, and first of all, listen. And and understand, you know, who is who is that being, and and what is their suffering, and what is their heart aspiration, and be open to that that person, that being, whether it's you know somebody in our family, or somebody that we've just met, you know, on the on the street. Uh, that we see on the street, um, somebody who may be um, homeless, or somebody who may be caught up in in something in their mind and and be agitated, or somebody who may be you know just really uh, caught up in the in 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 a world of, you know, wanting to be uh, loved because of what they look like, or or loved because of, or respected, or 
or thought that they're important because of, you know, how powerful they are. So, so can we, through connecting with, you know, a, an openness in our own heart to all of what all of what we are, which is what we do in practice, can we be present to the other? Um, So, so simple, simple acts of service um, are really wonderful teachings as well. Um, one of the things that we did in, in our community here, our Sunday Sangha, was uh, we went and um, uh, we've done this a couple of times, just gone across the street and cleaned up the park. So, uh, uh, you know, it's here we are. You know, we look out the window, and like, this park, you know, is, is just it. You know, as as uh, as we were talking about earlier, the sense of service comes from gratitude. Like, wow, it's so beautiful. You know, I, this park is just these trees. You know, all the life in the park. It's just there and supporting us to be <coughs> present and to have an enjoyable sit. So can we uh, serve the park in some way? So, so we went out and, um, you know, a bunch of us went out and, and picked up papers uh, and garbage in the park. And, and then, of course, you know, the thought comes up, like, you know, what a slob. Why did they throw down their candy wrapper, right? <laughs> All of this judgment, you know, like anger. Uh, and... And like, that's, then, and then, okay, here we are, we're mindfully picking up garbage, um, so let's be mindful of this. Let's, let's connect with this, uh, this feeling of judgment, this feeling of anger. And, uh, and recognize that in that moment, just like that, you know, uh, we've shifted from being connected to uh, the whole life and the whole, you know, flow of uh, in the park and gratitude and appreciation to feeling like I'm doing this for someone else who somehow is bad. Right? So, um, so that's and then okay, there's judgment like. What is judgment? What is that experience? And where, where does it come up? And how does it f- feel? And and what you know? What's what's the effect of that? You know, I mean, it's not that I'm bad <coughs> to have a judging thought. The judging thought just come, came up. I didn't, I didn't, you know, uh, say I'm going to have a judging thought now. The judging thought just came up. It's selfless. So, so that act of service becomes a whole context for practice. You know, a simple, simple act of, you know, picking up a piece of garbage that somebody dropped on the ground. Uh, how do we do it? You know, do we do it with judgment? Do we do it with self-righteousness? Uh, do we do it with love? Do we do it with compassion? Do we do it... 
just as part of life, somebody dropped it, somebody <coughs> picked it up, you know. Um, it's a, it becomes, it can become self, uh, this selfless service, seva, uh, or altruistic service, can just become a, a whole context for seeing, you know, the mind, different, different habits of the mind. And so, you know, it's a, so, so service doesn't need to be something that is um, a big uh, commitment. Um, I mean, it can be, you know, it can like service can be, you know, I'm going to go to some place where, you know, there's been a disaster or or I'm going to devote my life to alleviating poverty or, you know, it can be that. Um, it can be something very simple, like, you know, when you see some garbage in the park, just pick it up and then be present in that. Um, be present in the experience of that. Another thing about service is that it's um, it's a practice of generosity. So we're being generous with our time, with our energy, with our resources. You know, the Buddha taught generosity as the um, <coughs> as a foundation practice. You know, he would often when when people would come to uh, to ask teachings from him. He would often teach generosity as one of the first practices, and then ethics, and then meditation. So, um, and, um, and generosity, again, you know, first of all, it's, um, it's such a gift. Like, it, in fact, the word dana, uh, which is the word that we use for generosity, you know, is is the same word as gift means gift in in Pali. And so, just think for a minute of a time when somebody has has been generous with you, has just given you something. It doesn't necessarily mean even need to be something of of uh, monetary value. You know, it could be um, an acknowledgement. It could be giving you their time, sitting with you, and being present with you when you were feeling down or, or when you were in difficulty some way. So when, when somebody just... It's, it is so life-giving, and when we can give that, <coughs> that, that presence in some way, give ourselves in service, it is so life-giving in the world. And it is so life-giving to ourselves, too, because it counters that sense of, I'm not enough, or, you know, would they really want, you know, me to call them? Like, you know, I mean, I'm not important to them, right? 
you know, so why should I call them, you know? But they really want me, so that self-judgment, that self-negation. So, so when we think of, you know, somebody who's sick or somebody who's lost a loved one, um, a person has died in their lives, or gone away, you know, and, and we think um, reaching out, you know, callings, uh, and then we think, oh well, they don't, you know, who am I, right? But um, it does mean a lot. It, it's a quality of service and it's a quality of presence that does mean a lot. And um, And I think that in the expression of compassion, that quality of presence is uh, is just um, it's kind of the basis. Like, I'm not going to turn away. I'm not going to say that, you know, I don't, I, you know, I can't be with you or I, or um, it doesn't matter if I'm with you uh, in this difficulty that you're in. I think, I think that quality of compassion of just not, just not turning away, just saying I care, I care about this. I'm with you. I'm, uh, I'm holding a space with you. I think that 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 is the essence of compassion. And so finally, the last thing I'll say is that. You know, the wisdom view of service is that when we are serving others, you know, we truly are serving ourselves because we are interconnected. When we're, when we're accepting what is challenging or unpleasant, when we're being present without judgment to others, you know, so-called others, we're accepting with compassion and without judgment what is um, what is unawakened in ourselves what is deluded and and uh, uh, unskillful in ourselves and so the acceptance it's with acceptance that's the first step to to um, development and change and, and evolution is First of all, not denying, but accepting what is, what is there. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I'd like to just invite any response or question that you might have about anything that that I've said um, about uh, talked about ethics, talked about generosity talked about uh, compassion, talked about uh, seeing in ourselves, um, seeing the, the kind of the shadow, those unskillful uh, things in ourselves with a heart of acceptance and, and that enabling us to accept it in the other. Any thoughts or questions or responses that you'd like to give? about you know, generosity to others. I'm 
feeling sometimes we need also to be generous to ourselves. Mm -hmm. No? Sometimes we, we do the opposite, and then we hurt ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I don't know if everybody heard, but that we need to be generous. We need to be generous to ourselves and to others. And, and that generosity is um, expressed in when we meditate, when we practice the Dharma, you know, that openness of heart to ourselves, the, the, the quality of acceptance, not judging ourselves, giving space to ourselves to feel what we feel, and, uh, and, uh, and then, and also um, recognizing, you know, which are the, which are the attitudes, which are the actions that will bring us more happiness, more freedom, and which are going to perpetuate the suffering. And that's, so the Dharma practice is an act of great generosity to ourselves. Absolutely. I'm interested in like the involvement of practice, how it's almost like, maybe it's this open awareness thing, like you, you're so aware of your body that if you do something unethical that right away you can see it inside and somehow I see it in this area generally, in my breath, but I can, and it's like, even if I want to do something bad or if I attempt to do something bad, it's like the awareness of the body lets me know it's like an alarm clock or something. So it's really hard to do things where I used to get away with more. <laughs> but uh, also it goes out into like the world, into politics. Uh, you know, I was so moved by the Standing Rock. Everyone was there on Facebook. Like, but it, it just, it, it's not like I wanted to become more political, but somehow it's the interconnectedness and, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think that what you said about the body is so important. You know, the body really becomes our ally in practice. You know, because the body, when we practice mindfulness of the body, you know, we, we're, we're becoming present in the body. And the body is not just, you know, usually we think the body is, we equate the body with form. Right with matter, with materiality. The body is also conscious. There's consciousness right through the body, you know. And um, you know, when we, uh, you know, when we touch something, when we taste something, you know, it, there's this awareness in the body. And 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 people who are doing brain research are talking about different, you know, seats of Knowing not just in the brain but also in the heart, in the gut. So, so yeah, these these um, the body talks to us, and when the body becomes more sensitive, when we stop, uh, you know, kind of going into excess and addictive behavior with the body, and we're we're really tuned into the body more and more, it becomes a great ally. And, and absolutely right, you know. I experience that, you know, the, like there's a thought of doing something or not doing something, and right away in the body, it's, you know, 
it's it's kind of highlighting that that I'm not I'm not conforming to my <coughs> highest self in doing or not doing something, and um, yeah, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful witness. Um, And, and often, you know, just connecting it to what we're talking about with service, I think often just I feel in the body, uh, you know, a, a kind of this, this impel to, to extend myself to, to somebody uh, in some way, you know, like so that it's a kind of intuitive, intuitive... Um, awareness in the body, and um, and so yeah, I think I think it's very connected, and 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 we're touched. Uh, I was I was thinking of a quote that I heard once that by um, a Zen nun uh, from ancient times. I I, I don't remember um, at what time, but just this this statement she she made that you know. I live life with my whole body, and that's what you know. It spoke to to me that, to live life with our whole bodies, and it and it does draw us into connection with the world and with life in ways that, you know, each one of us will respond differently. So so one person, you know, might might feel called to to go to Standing Rock. One person might feel um, call to to do work in prisons, you know, um, or all kinds of different things, or a number of the di- those different things. But but you know, each one of us, our hearts will call us in particular ways, according to our own experiences and um, you know, connection. So we've been talking for a long time. Um, so let's take a little break. Um, and uh, and so it's uh, it's ten to three right now. So we'll come back here, let's say in at ten after three.